You're listening to the best of the day. I say you the, you the best. Halford and Bruff. You're listening to Halford and Bruff. Team save percentage fades below the San Jose Sharks to currently rank dead last in the NHL. 32nd out of 32. At what point do you have to mercy fire Bruce Boudreaux? If their blue line was even marginally better, based on the way things have gone in the Pacific Division this year, they could be a playoff team. Playoffs? Good morning, Vancouver 601 on a Thursday. Happy Thursday, everybody. It is Halford. It is Bruff. It is Sportsnet 650. We are coming to you live. From the Kintech Studios in beautiful Fairview Slopes in Vancouver. Jason, good morning. Good morning. Hey, dog. Good morning to you. Good morning. And Laddie, good morning to you as well. Hello, hello. Halford uh, and Breath of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. I mentioned we are coming to you live from the Kintech Studios in beautiful Fairview Slopes in Vancouver. Jason. Tell the people about Kintech. Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 1,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. Big show ahead at the Halbro Factory. I'll workshop that one. 6.30, Dave Randorf is going to join us. A familiar voice for here in Vancouver. Now the play-by-play voice of the Tampa Bay Lightning. The uh, Canucks, of course, are in action tonight in Tampa Bay. Four o'clock puck drop against the Lightning. Uh, in Tampa, we'll talk to Dorf about a team that is uh, is faring very well at the moment, including a 6-3 win over Columbus their last time out. This is the two-time Stanley Cup champions that made it to the Stanley Cup final last year. There's not a lot of great mysteries about the Tampa Bay Lightning. They're really good at hockey, and it's going to be another tough game for the Canucks tonight. I kind of disagree with you that there isn't any great mystery about the Tampa Bay Lightning because everyone always wonders how long can it last. That's true. Are they still in that echelon that they were a couple of years ago, or have they been surpassed in the East by a team like the Boston Bruins? And I would also ask Dave Randorf, you know, if if they get that Leafs team in the first round again, could he see it going a little bit differently this year? We can ask Dave Randorf all these questions at 6.30. Where he's going to join us to preview tonight's game. A reminder, 4 o'clock uh, from Tampa, it's the Canucks and the Lightning. 7 o'clock, Barclay Parnetta. It's going to join us on the program. He, of course, is the general manager of the Vancouver Giants. It's a big month for the Vancouver Giants. They've got a big home game coming up tomorrow against Spokane, 7.30 from the Langley Event Center. Also, Laddie, uh, you tweeted – no, you didn't tweet it. You sent it along to us in the text thread, a big development for the Kubota Prospects game that the Giants are hosting later this month. Do tell. Well, they announced the rosters, and the guy everyone was looking to see his name on the roster, Connor Bedard, he's going to be here. So you can get your tickets to see Connor Bedard in the Vancouver area one more time this year. Were, were people wondering if he might not make the top prospects game? Well, or? there's always like it could be an injury. No, we, we, we actually don't. We actually don't think you're very good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there was the there was rumors on. he wouldn't make the cut. So yeah, we're are happy to see him on the list. Uh, that one's on January 25th, by the way. So it's a Correct. big month for the Giants. Barclay Parnetta will be joining us at seven o'clock to talk about all that. Seven thirty, Frank Saravalli from Daily Faceoff. We'll do our usual whip around with all the latest news and notes and rumblings as we inch close. Closer and closer to the trade deadline. Maybe Frank has a JT Miller update for us. Maybe Frank has a Bo Horvat update for us. Who's to say? That's why you have to tune in. 7.30, Frank Saravalli is going to join us. 8 o'clock, it's Brendan Batchelor, the play-by-play voice of the Vancouver Canucks. Of course, he'll be on the call tonight when the Canucks take on the Lightning. It was an off day 
for the Canucks yesterday. So no practice, no media availabilities. So we'll wait and see what's going to happen uh, when they take to the ice for the pregame skate ahead of the game tonight. And we'll talk to Batch at 8 o'clock to break it all down. Uh, it is a busy night in the National Hockey League. Aside from the Canucks and Lightning at 4, 11 other NHL games. The Canadian teams in action... Montreal, who's playing terrible right now, just getting the doors blown off them. Uh, they're taking on Nashville and the red-hot UC Soros. Uh, Toronto, who won last night, they've got Detroit. Calgary's got St. Louis for the second consecutive game. Ottawa's got Arizona. In the non-Canadian division, maybe the game of the week, the surging Seattle Kraken are going to take on Boston. The yeah. red-hot Bruins, who are the best team in the NHL, and I don't think there's any question about that. Yeah, the Kraken are having a crazy good road trip back east, so this was a very tough road trip on paper, but the Kraken are made uh, pretty quick work of, uh, of a few Canadian teams on mm -hmm. this road trip, so now we'll see what they can do against the Boston Bruins. Six NBA games, Chelsea and Fulham in Premier League action. Golf, the Sony Open. The only reason I'm mentioning that is because that docuseries is coming out, and I'm really intrigued by this, and we might talk about it a little bit later. But I know you're, you're not into the Sony Open? I don't even know where it is. It's in Hawaii. Cool. They always do two stops in Hawaii. They have the Tournament of Champions, which is at Kapalua, mm -hmm. and Colin Morikawa absolutely blew it I saw in that. the final round on Sunday, and John Rahm won. Mm -hmm. And then the Sony Open isn't so that the, the first one is always the like everyone who's won on the tour the year before they get to play in the Tournament of Champions, which okay. kind of explains itself. And then the Sony Open is just kind of a regular tournament. Everyone gets a television. No, no, oh. they, they, they don't. They just get to go to Hawaii, and I watch it from rainy Vancouver and go, I wish I was in Hawaii. So that's the show. Guest list working in reverse. 8, Bachelor, 7.30, Sarah Valley. 7 o'clock, Parnetta. 6.30, Randorf. That's the show. Uh, that's what's coming up, though. We Now we need to tell everybody what happened. Hey, did you guys see the game last night? No. no. What happened? I missed all the action because I was... We know how busy your life can be. What happened? Missed that? You missed that? What happened? Uh, as I mentioned, off day for the Canucks yesterday. Nothing could possibly go wrong. There was nothing to be said. There was nothing to be done on the ice. It was the perfect day in Canuckland because they took the day off. But they needed that day off because this road trip which we've kind of been previewing for the better part of a week, uh, has started in fair fashion. We knew this was going to be difficult. It has proven to be, Jason, incredibly difficult. There are good teams on the other side of the ice, all of them playing at home, and all of them scoring goals, seemingly at will sometimes, against the Canucks. So Drance had a piece that uh, suggested the Canucks might have just played the worst defensive game of any team in the NHL this season, uh, their game against the Pittsburgh Penguins, just based on all the crazy scoring chances that they allowed, all the high danger chances they allowed. Um, you know, the Penguins scored a lot of goals in that game, and I don't think anyone in their right mind, at least, was sitting there going, that was a goaltending thing. In right. fact, Kevin Woodley had some um, analytics that suggested that Spencer Martin in fact, was better than that scoreline that he actually should have, according to the analytics, allowed one more goal than he actually did allow. So the Penguins should have scored more based on the analytics, and that's how bad the Canucks were defensively. And yesterday was kind of one of these, you know, and we're getting used to having these days, like this tee off on the Canucks day. Sure. 
you know, there were takes coming from everywhere. My take was like, you know, when do they have to mercy fire Bruce Boudreaux? And I do think it's interesting that uh, the Canucks have scouting meetings coming up in Florida, or they're having them right now. Um, now, typically, these meetings are scouting meetings. So you've got the pro scouts delivering their reports. You've got the amateur scouts delivering theirs. And on the amateur side, obviously, you know, all the teams are starting to put together their lists for the draft in yep. June. Uh, it's in Nashville uh, this year. And it's nice that all the off-season scheduling is getting back to normal. Like the draft is at the end of June. And then, uh, you know, what, we, we have the typical, we fear change. typical, like uh, change. typical off-season that we had, um, you know, before the pandemic. At any rate, I do wonder if the Canucks during these scouting meetings, since the the organization is going to be there, might also do a few separate meetings. Like going, yeah, 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 we got to take care of the scouting stuff, but what are we going to do, for example, with the coach? Like, what's the plan? And I'm not talking about just like, should we let Bruce Boudreaux go and stick Mike Yo behind the bench or the water drinking bird or, you know, rip the dog or whoever? All viable options. Could you see a scenario? And this is not an endorsement of this because I know a lot of people are like, just keep losing. Just keep hmm. getting better odds to get Connor Bedard. Just keep doing what you're doing. But could you see a scenario where this management group is like, hey, if we've identified a head coach that we like if that coach is available right now and we can hire that coach and he can start instilling his systems and his style on the team right now so you get a bit of a lead up to next season because how many times in the last few years have we seen the Canucks go into training camp and go, hey, we've got some things to work on structurally, system-wise. And then it's, I don't know, maybe it's just not enough time to instill those systems. Mm -hmm. Like, I think we saw it with Travis Green. We certainly saw it with Bruce Boudreaux this year. Yep. And then Jim Rutherford after was like, we had a terrible training camp. Yeah. Like, it just, it just didn't happen. So, not only would it allow the Canucks to bring in a new coach and a new system and new expectations – would it not also help the management group decide which guys can actually play in this system? Yeah. Does this make sense to you? Yeah, it's the NFL route. And the NFL NFL teams What's waste the NFL route. They waste no time when it's when they're ready to get rid of a head coach and they realize that there's another coach out there that they want. Right? They'll pull the trigger with a handful of games left in the regular season. We saw it this year, right? You need if you have identified a guy that you want to bring in you have to be able to make the financial commitment to him. You have to give him the term that he wants. And you have to say, let's get you in the door as quickly as possible. Not just so you can get your program underway here, mm -hmm. but so other teams can't try and steal you from us. Right? I mean, that's why Jim Harbaugh is doing interviews with teams while the regular season's still on. I mean, it's, it's, um, it makes a lot of yeah, sense. Yeah, but that's right? a little different than what I'm suggesting. Because I'm no, suggesting but what you're you suggesting is, the general concept is, why wait? Why wait till the end of the year? Why not do it now? Yeah. If this season's a write-off, and by all accounts, it kind of is, why not get ahead of the game and avoid some of the mistakes that were made this season? So we're predictably getting a lot of texts into the Dunbar Lumber text line. No, we want to just keep tanking, or we do not want the coaching bump. Yeah, well, 
you're not the management group. You don't and, count. And it always comes back to the question, how important is next season? And I think until we hear something otherwise, this management group, this ownership group, this team as a whole is going to focus on getting better. And I just wonder if they're sitting there going, we got to bring in someone and we got we to gotta test this system. Wouldn't you want – let's say you were management mm-hmm. and you had no interest in tanking or you were being told we're not tanking and you guys better improve next season or there's going tr- to be trouble. Wouldn't you want to bring in a coach right now and go, hey, let's test this guy out? I think it would be very – how many times have we had the conversation about like let's say it's Barry Trotz or whatever. Let's say. Um how many people have said the Canucks don't have the personnel to play the Barry Trot system? Wouldn't you want to get half a season of testing that theory out? Who is uh, who can play that system? I don't know. Wouldn't you want to test that out? Yeah. I, I, I just think, listen, I think there's going to be a coaching change, and I think it's going to come soon because I don't think that um, you can just keep putting Bruce Boudreaux in this position. I don't think it's a good look for the organization. And I don't, and, and as, and as much as I understand the sentiment and actually endorse the sentiment of keep losing games, I don't think this management group does. Um, okay. My, my one question would be, well, if you're going to do it now, why wouldn't you have done it a while ago? Why now? What's so fundamentally different about now other than, uh, a longer, slower build of frustration than before? Did you believe that in November or December, for example, when the, when the Canucks started awful, came back, won a handful of games, and then went out on that road trip where they lost in Toronto, Montreal, Boston, and then they ended the swing with a win in Buffalo. But I, I remember thinking, like, this is it. Well, the why do it was- now? I think, I think they thought things were going to turn around. Okay. You, li- listen, when Travis Green got fired, I had all my media sources in the run-up to that saying they're not firing Green. They're not going to do it. And you and I were talking about it on the air, and we were like, this can't continue. Mm -hmm. You cannot keep losing like this. And there were still some of my kind of guys that were like dialed in with the organization that were saying they they desperately do not want to fire Travis Green. But guess what? It got to the point where they had to. They had to make the move. Mm -hmm. What's going on right now, might be great for tanking. It's bad for the organization. So I, I'm like, just, it's I'm just bad keep, for the look of the organization. I'm just going to keep playing devil's advocate. For sure, my heart's. Not I agree. In. My heart's not. By in the it, way, but. hey, I just want to put it out there. I want the Canucks to lose. I want them to get closer to the Connor Bedard sweepstakes. Mm-hmm. But I'm not management, and there are many things that I would have done differently than this management group. So until they start acting differently, I'm going to assume that they're going to keep acting the same way. Exactly. So my argument there would be, well, if they thought that they were able to turn around earlier in the season, at what point did they say, you know what, we're not going to be able to turn this around? Because I bet, I bet there's someone in that organization that's like, you know what, if we get Demko back healthy and we just tighten it up a little bit, you know, maybe we'll be able to write this ship to a certain degree. I mean, I that's, you know, we'll talk about this, I think, later in the show about what we are trying to understand about this team, what we've been granted in terms of access and availability, and then what message has been sent publicly. And we are left to do a lot of guessing. And doing the guessing game 
uh, becomes a very becomes a very curious event when there's this level of frustration among the participants, right? When you're trying to figure out what's at stake or what's at play or what the big term long picture plan is without having a lot of guidance, it becomes even more frustrating because you're frustrated with the product that's in front of you and then you're doubly frustrated at not knowing what direction it's going in. That's kind of where the collective is at with, I think, a lot of media. I think a lot of fans where people are saying, uh, is this some sort of pseudo tank that's going on? Are we hopeful that if we keep everything the same, the team will continue to lose? They're too good to do that eventually. Eventually, no, they'll not. win some games. No, they're not. They're not. You're, I disagree on that sentiment, That's too. fine. That's fine, because you guys don't know what you're talking about. Anyone that thinks that they are as bad as the Chicago's and the Arizona's need to watch those teams play. Well, they're not as bad as those, but they're, they're, as, they're as bad as being 25th in the NHL. Yeah, and they'll probably get better when Demko gets back. They'll probably get up to 19th or 20th, or maybe they don't. But the point 19th being— 19th or 20th? Yeah. Are you out of your mind? Why would they not be able to move up five spots in the standings? Because uh, they're they're because they're a bad hockey team and they're in a bad way right now. Those are all bad hockey teams in the twenty and below. Okay. All I'm saying is, and again, as I continue to do this devil's advocate thing, we have no concept and no idea of exactly what the direction is for one particular reason, and it's something you always bring up. We have no idea how important next season is. Okay, That's what I'm, all of this goes. To. I'm going to go around the room here. Okay, so the question is. Do you think the Canucks will fire Bruce Boudreaux during the season? I'm going to say yes. Halford, what do you think? Devil's advocate, Halford. Yeah. What do you think? Do you think that? Do you, th- do you think Bruce Boudreaux? Just, just yeah. one word. Do you think they're going to fire him? I do. Okay, Andy. Do you think they're going to fire Bruce Boudreaux? No. Okay, so you think Bruce is going to be the coach for the rest of the season? Yes. Okay, Laddie. I say yes. They do fire. Him. You think they're going to fire? Him. So Some three point. out of four think they're going to fire him. Andy doesn't. I'd love to hear from I'd love to hear from the listeners on this, and not just like I think they're going to do it. Just give some sort of uh, some sort of reason in the text. Like, wh- take your take your opinion out of it, okay? Because we all know that <laughs> the Canucks fan base's opinion doesn't always match up with what management does. What do you think is going to happen? I will say the Canucks, though. Hold on, hold on a sec. The Canucks have their scouting meetings right now. So they're all in an organization together. They could, in theory, fire Bruce Boudreaux after this road trip. You get home and say, listen, Bruce, this road trip was bad and we can't keep going on like this. Or they could wait to the All-Star break. The All-Star break's not that far away. Mm-hmm. That's when they could do it. So text into the Dunbar Lumber text line 650-650 with what you think is going to happen, not what you think. Because guess what? <laughs> what you think doesn't seem to matter. Because if what the fan base thought mattered, then the Canucks would be acting in a very different manner. I will say, even though I say no, I should have put an asterisk there because I want to say it's 60-40. Like, I think it's 40% chance he does get fired, and if that happens, then it's Mike Mike Yo that replaces him. I don't think they're going to hire or pay another coach out of the system. I, I just, I, I'd be surprised if they did. Um, not to say it's impossible, but I think if they were to remove Boudreaux, it would just be Yo that steps up for the remainder of the year, just as an in an interim basis, and then they get their new guy in the offseason, if, yeah. it, if it happens. I think there's a lot of people texting, well, I know there's a lot of people texting in and saying exactly what you said, that this is a money issue, and that's why they won't fire Bruce, because yep. that way, 
if they did fire Bruce Boudreaux, they'd be paying Travis Green still. They'd yeah. be paying Bruce Boudreaux, and they'd be paying whoever the new coach is. But how much are they really going to have to pay the new coach to coach, I don't know, 30 games of the season? Yeah, but they would want him long-term, you would assume. If they hire a new guy, they'd want him to stick around for a while. Well, yeah. that's a great question. So, so I, they're I, not just going to hire a guy so for 30 games. <laughs> I, I just wonder, though, like, I guess what I wonder is, does it get to a point where even ownership is like, listen, I don't want to pay a third guy. But I didn't want to tra- fire Travis Green. And it eventually got so bad that it had to happen. Yeah, it could happen on this road trip. I mean, look at what they're, look at how daunting just this weekend is going to be, right? You, I mean, and I'm counting today. Like, let's just say everybody's working for the weekend. It starts tonight. Um, you've got Tampa Bay, and then you've got Florida, Carolina back to back over that weekend. Again, coming off a couple of performances where you can't keep the puck out of your net with no regularity whatsoever. And you're th- right now they're they are under siege, honestly, because there's no real great answer that Boudreaux can give them in goal. I think some people thought that Delia, after a couple nice performances, was going to be able to outperform Spencer Martin. And that hasn't been the case, at least in a small sample size. Um, and you're talking about right now, especially of that Pittsburgh game. Players, coaches, everyone just talking about being overwhelmed by the opposition's talent. Like, when the wave comes or when the scoring chances start to happen, we didn't really have an answer for it. Well, guess what? Now you've got a bunch of other really good teams lined up. Uh, And in the case of Florida, hungry. In the case of Carolina, kind of slumping a bit and looking to turn in the right direction. Mm -hmm. And teams that have the talent to kind of avalanche on top of you, cave you in, those sorts of things. So, you know, usually coach dismissals happen. When there is a successive run of really poor results and really bad on-ice product where the management of the ownership says, okay, we can't keep trotting the way that it looks. And this is one of those stretches where you could conceivably have that happen. So we might be going around in circles here, but there's a lot of people texting in with, you know, I think they're going to fire him or I don't think they're going to fire him. Um, And here's again, why would they, this, this is a text, why would they fire him? When he's up at the end of the year. Well, we went through it to get in a new coach to prepare for next season. So you're not just leaving it on a very short training camp in some preseason games to bring in a new structure for a team that watch these guys play. Like this is not a couple of tweaks that this new head coach is going to have to bring in. He is going to have to teach them how to play defense. And I'm sure management as much as at the end of the, you know, in the back of their minds, they're like, this is probably good if we get closer and closer to the Connor Bedard mm-hmm. lottery. If next season matters, and if their marching orders from ownership are still do whatever you have to do to put together a winning team to try and make the playoffs, if those marching orders remain the same, then they're going to look at this half season. Again, there's half a season to go. There's like well, yeah. 40 games to go. Yeah. As a warm-up for next season, bring in a new coach, teach this team how to play. It's not going to happen overnight, so get a running start. So that's the question, like, or that's the answer to the question of why do it now. Mm-hmm. I'm not endorsing it. I'm just saying it's possible that it could happen. Can we all just uh... – like just grasp for a moment how crappy this conversation is and that we have to have it. Right? It's awful. It is is a this terrible season, scenario. This, this season this season has been a total waste of time. 
Total waste. I remember of time. I was so excited in the it's off Total waste of time. Well, unless they get, unless they get Bedard, then it won't unless be. Unless they of get time. Bedard, yes. but then you've got to say what the hell happened that you went into a season where your coach said that not making the playoffs was a disaster, and the end result of that season was that you were in the draft lottery. Well, even worse, I think, is um, you go into the season going, "We need to be more structured," and I think they're less structured. I think they. I think they're worse. I think they're worse defensively than they were last season. Do you remember last season when we were talking about the penalty kill? And it was like, well, it'll be hard to be worse than that. I think they're worse. They're, they're not better. And no. it was disaster. I, I can't remember what percentage they, they finished at last season in terms of their PK. Mm-hmm. Well, but and, they're no better well, you know than what, they were. What's funny about this year, I think, is it's not the numbers so much as it is the eye test and the anecdotal stuff because – Demko probably covered up, I don't know, I, whatever percentage point you want to put on it, he probably covered up so many glaring defensive errors that never ended up in the back of the net, and then we just kind of glossed over it, in large part because there was the romanticism between behind the Boudreaux bump and everything. But like one big fundamental part of this year is that <laughs> the goaltending has not bailed the Canucks out on, I think, any occasion. Mm-hmm. You've never had one of those games where it's like, ah, you know, Myers had a couple pizzas right up the middle and OEL turned right when he should have turned left and that turned into a breakaway. <laughs> but it was okay because Demko made 37 saves and the Canucks won 5-1. That has not happened this year. Like, there's, there are countless, countless video examples of a guy making a bad play, a bad decision, and making a bad puck management move and it ending up right in the back of the net. Yeah, There are countless of them. Every defenseman's had one or two on their highlight reel. But you're basically saying because they didn't get miraculous goaltending. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Dave Randorff is going to join us next to talk about the Tampa Bay Lightning, the Canucks opponent tonight as they finish off this road trip with three tough games in four nights. Tampa Bay tonight, Florida on Saturday, and Carolina on Sunday, after which they come home and, I don't know, who knows what's going to happen then. You're listening to the Halford and Bruff Show. On Sportsnet 650. This is the best of Halford and Bruff. Download the full show through Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the best of the day. Halford and Bruff. Trying to center it for Bruce. He'll feed it back to the blue line to Anderson. Lanes are probably coming up, and a rush shot. Simon Hurts loose in the crease. Halliburton scores. Seven oh three on. You're not going to rap Thursday. Well, he's Mike Halford, and he's here to say. This is Run JMC. <laughs> run H and B. They. Uh, we la- got a guest coming up in a major way. <laughs> <laughs> Do it. <laughs> you know you want to freestyle. I can't now. You've been waiting your entire life for this moment. Based on what I know, I watched 8 Mile. I'll lose this rap battle now. There's no way I can match that. I'm like the guy who cuts to his core so and I just drop the microphone and walk Cheddar out of the Bob, then? Yeah, he is. <laughs> Guys, them. is this early 80s New York that we're in? Both, both of them have shot themselves in the leg. I should mention we have a guest on the line. We do, and we have to tell people that the Halford and Bruff show in the morning I'm not going to rap. I'm not going to rap. <laughs> I could have done the North Star metal rap, but I'm not going to. Halford and Brev of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience a Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. <laughs> Hour two of the program. Uh, 
Vancouver Giants general manager Barclay Parnett is on hold. He's going to join us in just just a second here to kick off hour two. Hour two is brought to you by North Star Metal Recycling. Vancouver's premier metal recycler pays the highest prices on scrap metal. North Star Metal Recycling, they recycle, you get paid. Visit them at 1170 Powell Street in Vancouver. We are coming to you live from the Kintech studio, Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 1,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. Okay, to the phone lines we go. As mentioned, Barclay Parnetta here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Good morning, Barclay. How are you? I was okay until I heard the intro and you guys trying to rip out a rap. That was Andy. Yeah, apologies Tech- for that. Uh-oh. I'm sorry. Tech- sorry. Boy, that, did, that was something else, boys. Yeah. yeah, that's no way to start your day, is it? No. Wake up to that, but uh but but a good effort nonetheless. You guys are trying and doing your best, so not not, <laughs> not gonna discredit you for trying. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. Okay, let's talk about your hockey team here. It's a big month for the Vancouver Giants. Uh there's a game coming up tomorrow. It's a home date at the Langley Event Center, seven thirty uh against the Spokane Chiefs later this month. There's the prospects game, so there's a lot of stuff at play. Uh, but you guys have been very active prior to this, trading away your captain, Zach Ostapchuk. And, you know, I was reading about the trade, and it's not often that a team in a playoff position will trade its captain and one of its best players. But uh, the prices for some of these players, Barclay, my God, looking around the Canadian Hockey League and how many picks and players you can get in these deals, was it one of those things that you guys just couldn't pass up, that the deal that was presented to you was too good to pass up? Yeah, absolutely. That's exactly what happened. Um, I mean, we've been talking about this since the start of the year, as n- not trading Zach, but, uh, uh, you know, being prepared in the event that something like this happened. It, it's a bit of a perfect storm in, in the WHL right now with, uh, you know, there's a host team that needed to add. There's a number of really good teams that are trying to add. Uh, and what also drove prices up, I think, this year were, uh, you know, and, and I hate to use this word again because it seems like it's behind us, but you know, there's teams that are trying to get into the playoffs to recoup financial losses from COVID still. So there might have been teams this year that retained players that typically they would have been trading in any other year. Uh, and and earlier in the year, um, you know, Ron Toigo, Pete Toigo, myself, I, I sat down with them and sort of set out, okay, here's scenarios of previous trades and other years. So we had a pretty good idea that, okay, if we get some like this, we'd have to look at it. But we weren't shop- shopping, Zach. We didn't put them on the open market. We had inquiries, but we just kept saying, you know what, like we're not planning on trading Zach. Our team's doing well. If, if it's some ridiculous offer that, that like a, like around these parameters, we'd certainly, we may entertain it. And, and we got three unsolicited offers leading into the, this last week. As Yamamoto stole the puck, gave it to McDavid out of the left wing corner. The backhand scores! What a shot by McDavid! Seven thirty-six on a Thursday. Happy Thursday, everybody! Halford, bro. Sportsnet six fifty. The dogs are just egging me on. They're playing the most basic mid rap beats imaginable and then they're just yelling in the in my ear rap we're in hour two of halford and bruv <laughs> oh my god that was pretty good <laughs> download the podcast or all go rough <laughs> that wasn't as good that was less good that was rough this is part of the reason why i i can't go i can't do it it's like performance anxiety you come in here 
Mm. And you spit hot fire. <laughs> Who are the five best MCs I know? Andy, 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 Andy. You're listening to the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. <laughs> Halford and Bruff in the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. Hour two of the program. We are right in the midst of it. Frank Saravalli from Daily Faceoff is going to join us in a second here. Uh, hour two of the program is brought to you by North Star Metal Recycling. Vancouver's premier metal recycler pays the highest prices on scrap metal. North Star Metal Recycling, they recycle, you get paid. Visit them at 1170 Powell Street in Vancouver. To the phone lines we go. Frank Saravalli, Daily Faceoff here on the Halford and Brush Show. Good morning, Frank. How are you? Hello, boys. I'm good. How are you? We're good. Thanks. Uh, I noticed over at Daily Faceoff, the trade deadline preview lead up, and we still got a few days to go, but I like what you guys are doing here. The team 51, but who's counting? Is it 51? Okay, I knew we were getting close to that mythical, magical 50. Halford thought it was on Friday. We talk about it so much. I was like, can we just hurry up and just fast forward to that part? <laughs> anyway, I like the team previews because I think sometimes, especially here, we get kind of myopic in our view and we look at just the players. You don't say. Ca- I know, just the players that could be moved out. There's a lot of different things that go into a trade deadline. There's uh, other players that are available to teams. There's the team's past history, salary cap, obviously. And then there's, you know, you got to go through each team and say, well, if they can't land their first target, who's second, who's third, and who's everything else. I'm All not- that being said, what are you hearing about Bo Horvath? Please don't answer that. Um, <laughs> I, you know, the, the New York Rangers were up today. And I thought it was interesting that in talking about the top six goal-scoring winger, that Brock Besser sort of emerged into the conversation. I know this is some connecting of the dots and saying, well, if maybe you know guy 1A or 1B isn't available, who comes next? But uh, it's interesting to look at the Rangers in light of the good run that they're on. They're obviously got aspirations to be a playoff team and to go deep in the playoffs. And they've got the history from last year where if you look at the moves that they made, maybe not the splashiest or sexiest moves, but they made a lot of them and pushed a lot of chips in a run that ultimately fell short. But, you know, history does kind of suggest what might happen in the future. So this whole Rangers scenario is interesting to me. Yeah, I agree. Honestly, I had to take a step back um, and it was actually really instructive for me. Sometimes you're in the moment and you forget just how not just active, but aggressive the Rangers were last year. Yep. They gave up a first, second, third, and two-fourths plus Morgan Barron, who's actually been okay for the Jets this year, for a 10-week run with Frank Vitrano, Andrew Kopp, Tyler Mott, and Justin Braun. Yeah. That's a lot. That is a lot of capital Yep, um, that they traded. And now here's the really interesting thing. I guess it kind of paid off because they went to the conference final. They obviously didn't land the ultimate prize, but what does that mean for this year moving forward for New York, given that they've shown some cracks in their facade and that they've mostly been exactly the same team they were last year, except Igor Shesterkin, who I called in the piece Igor Igor the Equalizer, he sort of faltered for a few weeks stretch, and you saw just how ugly it is when the Rangers don't get the goaltending that they need to support what is a mostly average team otherwise. So what does last year and how aggressive Chris Drury was, does does he take a more conservative approach this year? And if not, because he sort of has all this capital at his disposal, it's not just prospects. He's got an extra first-round pick this year from the Nils Lundqvist trade, and he's got one of the few sort of quasi-contending teams that has – abundant cap space to go around 
Yeah, it, it's an interesting one because they paid a premium for Andrew Kopp. And, like, fair enough, he ended up being a good fit there, and he's going to hang around for a while, so it makes sense. But the other deals were interesting because they weren't as high profile, and they, they kind of nibbled around the edges. And I'll bring this back to Besser because it's an intriguing character. Obviously, the trade history is out there that the agent's been – uh, granted permission to seek one, and it's clear that the Canucks will be willing to move on. Uh, I thought it was interesting that you wrote, some teams have speculated that the market for Besser is a second-round pick, given his current contract. i got to look at that. I'm like, if you're from a Canucks perspective, given how your season has gone and where things are at with Besser, you'd jump at that opportunity. Are you? I, I honestly, as I was typing it, I, I could actually hear the groans from like your text line being like, a second-round pick for Besser, that's it? No, uh, his 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 Q rating in Vancouver has fallen a lot. Um, I, I think there are people that look at his contract right now and go, "Can we actually trade this contract in full, or does it have to be retained?" Okay, so let's say that it is a second, because I think that's pretty reasonable. Okay, uh, from every perspective, um, I think if you rewind like eighteen months, what it, it would have been so different. And oh, of I, course. Oh, yeah. But a lot would be different in, yeah. in, in, in Vancouver, Frank. I think there's a lot of people out there that recognize that the asset values in Vancouver have fallen dramatically for a lot of players. But the one if thing... Only the pe- housing market could do the same. <laughs> wow. The, the, well, it's it's starting to. Yeah. The the one thing that, that people want is for just these contracts to be gone, to be off the books, to have some freedom. Well, I think that's what management cap wants. Yeah. yeah, yeah the cap yeah. Space. It's aligning in that mm-hmm. sense in that even just getting off of Brock Besser's contract regardless of whatever the asset is in return, having to not retain is a win, I think. Sure. Um, And so whether it's a second or whether it's a third, I think the point is from a Rangers perspective, even if he may not have been your number one choice or, you know, and I I think it's no real secret that the Rangers are real interested in Patrick Kane, I, I really think it's a coin flip right now as to whether or not he moves. But if you can't get the the guy you're looking for, is Brock Besser and maybe you get a shot in the arm from him finally having changed places and changed scenery? Is he? I think he's a kind of a no risk, or I should maybe rephrase that little risk proposition for a team like New York. For one, you can you can manage his cap hit clearly for the rest of the, you can take the thing on in full and it's no issue, right? And two, they have some cap space next season, not a ton, and it would be tight to keep him. But if he plays well, you can keep him. And if he doesn't fit with your team and doesn't play well, if you bought him for, let's again, pure hypothetical, if you bought him for a second and you need to trade him in the summer for a fourth, right? is it worth the exercise? I think it is. And so I think it's a really intriguing proposition for a team like the Rangers where it's kind of a unique fit. He may not be their number one stylistic option, and I don't know that he's number one on anyone's list with the way he's played right now, but I think there's a number of checkdown options for a team like the Rangers given what they're looking for. Yeah, I mean, that's a great way of putting it. It's the checkdown. It's the third option on your reads at quarterback, right, where you're like, okay, 
the two, first two guys aren't there, but there's a nice safety valve at the third spot. Um, the interesting thing for me is you mentioned that New York could probably stomach the cap hit. And this is what we talk about a lot where you're looking around and you go to cap friendly and so many teams pressed up against the ceiling. The notion of involving a third party to stash money or whatever, um, based on your understanding, listening and talking to people around the league, how much of that is just conceptual right now and how much of it is actually being played out in real time? Because it's almost like the sign-in trade that we always talk about. Like, yes, it's an option and it's viable and you can do it, but in practice, we just don't see it that often. So the idea of you know stashing money or involving a third-party team to get some of these deals done, uh, what's the temperature around it? What's the landscape around that right now? Yeah, the sign-in trade has never happened. I don't know if we're ever going to see one, um, but – the, the idea of the third party broker, I mean, it's, it's reality. It's, it's fact. I get there. The, the number of big money contracts that are out there that are potentially on the move between now and March 3rd, it's impossible to trade most of them without involving a middleman. And so that's why I've called it the year of the third party broker. And I'm actually, I think everyone's hoping that it's the last year of the third party broker yeah, because no kidding. the cap should be going up this summer. And I say should because it's up to a negotiation between the NHL and the PA, and I, I believe it will. But you're going to see more. There's only been six third-party broker deals in the history of the league. I, I bet we see at least three this deadline alone. Like, it, it's at least that number. So that what that does is it increases the asset cost because teams have to now pay a third or a fourth or whatever it is. I put a value chart in my story that I wrote over the weekend and the usual suspects are all still there. You know, the Arizona's, the Buffalo's Detroit, Anaheim, that whole group. But there's a number of other teams that can get involved in the mix this year and be creative. Like a team like Columbus, where they, they don't have a ton of cap space on paper as you're looking at it, but then you can take Jake Voracek's entire $8 million plus and put that on LTIR. And so there's kind of limitless space on that front. But, um, yeah, this is it. Like, be, be ready to, to consider a third-party team. And sometimes it comes down to, to friends of who these managers deal with most often. Sometimes it comes down to aggressive pricing, like dealing with a bank. And it's going to be interesting to watch that all unfold. Hey, Frank, I'm not going to ask you about Horvat or Miller, unless anything new has... I would, I would say, yeah. Okay. If I had anything new? new I, would let, okay. I would let you know. But I okay. do want to ask you about the head coaching situation in Vancouver, because it's one we've been discussing a lot um, this week, especially in the last couple of days. And as we've seen, Bruce Boudreaux go out there and just look sad after every post game and look tired. And, you know, he's trying to put on a brave face and he's trying to remain positive Bruce Boudreaux, but he's in a pretty tough situation right now. So I'll start with this question. Do you think he's going to last the season as head coach in Vancouver? I think the answer is yes, just because if it was going to happen, wouldn't it have already happened? Like how many opportunities has there been, you know, dating back to November, late October, where you're like, yeah, this probably should have happened already. Yeah. No, I mean, it's a I mean, good point, but but I, I think there's also the potential, amazingly, for this season to get uglier for the Vancouver Canucks. You isn't know, uglier, though, better in the grand scheme? I the, So here's the debate that we're having. The fan base, and us as well, frankly, are all in on 
losing as much as you can to give yourself the best odds at Connor Bedard. But does ownership feel that way? Does management feel that way? And is there an argument to be made to bring in a new head coach right now and start installing some of the systems and structure um, so you don't have to rush that learning at training camp? So just like get a handle on the new system now so you don't Sort of like what the Flames did a few years back. They brought in Daryl Sutter. It was The season was over already, but they... They got used to it, brought mostly the same team back, and then hit the ground running and won a division title. I didn't even think of that example, but that's a good example. I guess that would be the debate, and it always brings us back to the question, which listeners are probably getting tired of hearing from me, how much does next season matter? And until we hear an admission from Canucks management that, you know what, we need to rebuild and we need to take a few steps back and we need to drop expectations from make the playoffs to – improve our long-term outlook, I'm going to assume that they're going to keep doing the same thing that they've done, and that is to just keep building on the team and playoffs. And... Because it's been for a decade. Now. Yeah, that's the thing, right? And until like there until is until that... there's some Until yes. there's a different yes. course charted, why would we have any reason to believe that there's a wholesale change? Exactly. So would you like to change so your I... answer on Bruce Boudreaux? Do you think there's a possibility that someone like, I don't know, Rick Tockett comes in? as the new head coach of the Vancouver Canucks, and they get that running start on next season. And Rick Tockett can come in, or the new coach, or whoever it is, can come in and say, all right, this guy I can work with, this guy I can't, so do your best to get rid of him. I I don't know. I, I don't know the answer, and I would say... I, I, I said this earlier in the week on Sat's show on Monday night that I think this is the one of the biggest weeks for the Canucks franchise in the last decade. And I say that because they're meeting in Florida this week and weekend for pro and amateur scouting meetings, and I'm really curious to see what the path forward is after this. Does this current management team, led by Jim Rutherford, have the autonomy from ownership to to really begin stripping off pieces if they want to? And I, that's, that to me is the question, because when you look, the theme is if you go through the last decade, there's been multiple regime changes. And if all, if the constant remains true, that this is the path forward is to continue to try and put a bandaid on the roster and fix things to try and remain as competitive as possible. Well, if you go through multiple regime changes and that's still the case, then that leads me to believe that it comes from the top. That the mantra and mission and mandate is make the playoffs every year. Be as competitive as possible. And I just think you, you've you hit the wall. And I, I'm, this is music to Canucks fans' ears. Like You've hit the wall in that there's only so many times you can paper over it and fix it right. before you need to take it down to the studs. Frank, and, Frank oh, sorry, keep going, keep going. No, no, I was just going to say, like, we'll know in a, in a few weeks, but to me, if you're planning on trying to do the same thing again, well, then you're just ramming your head against the wall and paying an extra coach for the rest of this year when you don't have to. Frank, great stuff today, bud. Thanks a lot for doing this. We appreciate it. Enjoy the rest of the week. We'll do this again next Thursday. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. YouTube, thanks. thanks Frank, Frank. Sarah Valley from Daily Faceoff here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Unsigned text in, although I think it might be from Ironworker Blair.
He writes, it's raining so hard, I can't even hear Frank Saravalli on my radio. Is it, uh, we need someone to go do a weather report. Yeah, we're in a bunker. We Dogs. do not know the weather. Which of you needs to go out to pee? It's it's raining hard. It's gonna Which, be it's gonna rain hard for the next few days. I used to say when you were here that it's one. It's raining week, sideways. I used to. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I remember we had Josh Elliott Wolf, mm-hmm. aka Roy. All the spooky skies. Yeah, I, I used to. I'd send. I'd make him run outside <laughs> to do weather. Was updates. that his weather forecast? Yeah, the then, sky is spooky. Yeah. No, it wasn't even a forecast. Would you like me to go outside and call into the show and tell you what it's like? Yeah, you could be like our Doppler radar. Oh, we guy. don't have time. I could do that next segment. We need we need like someone. But I can do that for you if you uh, want. We either need like a prank person, like someone that goes out and does streeters yeah. and does funny things out there. Not like Andy. Would you be willing to physically harm yourself for laughs? Yeah. Well, <laughs> how many laughs? You already emotionally. And what level of, and That's what, up to you. It depends what, how badly you're willing to get hurt. And what level of physical harm are we talk about? Am I in the hospital or is it just a little stub toe? Oh no no no! We'll like do, if I'm in traction, I don't know. I mean gonna, that would be funny. We're gonna go. Be. We're gonna go old school, like just for laughs. You know, or like Super what, Dave. Yeah, old school like funny gags. We're not gonna do like modern influencers. <laughs> gag. The, uh, yeah, the, just do, they, do, they st- yeah. do they still have that? Yes, that is the best programming on television. How much of <laughs> this? We've asked this question before. How much of their ratings was based on like they? So it would always be after the hockey game on yeah. Saturday night. How much of their ratings was just based on the TV still being on? Yeah, like someone's falling asleep. Yeah. on the couch mm-hmm. and like I, I can't I can't tell you how many times. Uh, like the TV be on and like the Just for Laughs gags thing. Yeah, our jobs basically got replaced by Just for Laughs gags brackets radio. Like that's yeah. what happened, right? They're like, ah, it's not great, but people listen to it. That's that's the whole Just for Laughs approach. That but, show it, it gets less funny the older you get. I feel. Like. Yeah, I don't like. <laughs> I feel like that show is only funny in Quebec. Yeah, <laughs> for some reason, like that's their sense yeah. of really humor. specific market they're targeting. Yeah, they're like, look, that baguette has a mustache on it. Everyone laughs, and I don't you fell get off it. a building. Uh, I will say this: the modern influencers with like the pranks that they do now, they're not funny. No, mm. they just they, they walk down the street and then they'll just they're like, all scripted. Yeah, they they're punch someone in the face scripted. and they're like, ha! Look kids, at them. Kids these days don't know a good prank. No, they don't. Those old ones are great. I was watching yeah. one the other day where someone would go into a porta potty, okay, and then they would wheel in uh, this dome that inside of the dome had a long business table and they had like eighteen Japanese businessmen at the business table. So when you opened up the door to the porta potty, suddenly okay. you walked right into the middle of a business meeting. And then the business guys would just look at you like you were the one that was screwing up their work. Oh. All the people were like, sorry. They said sorry. And then they walked back into the porta potty as if there was some like yeah. magical way that they were going to get out of it. Well, I mean, it's relatable. It's happened to everybody. <laughs> it's a great, it was a great yeah. gag. I respect that. Are they trying to make people lose their minds or something? Yeah, like I think that? so. Like, because the people are like, oh, sorry, I'll just go back in here. It's just, it's just become psychological potty. warfare. This yeah. Point. Yeah. <laughs> We're in Hour 2 of Halford and Bruff. <laughs> oh my god, that was pretty good. <laughs> Download the podcast or all go rough. <laughs> that wasn't as good. This is the best of Halford and Bruff. Download the full show through Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.